Welcome back to the Educator's Room Podcast, a place for educators everywhere, regardless of grade level or content area. Put down your grade books and grab a glass of wine and learn with our host, Francesca. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Educator's Room Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Warren, and today we are going to discuss teachers and career counseling. That's right, guys. We have never on the show talked about career counseling and what happens when teachers leave the field of education. How do you go and get that dream job that you've always wanted? Statistics show that about 50% of new teachers leave the field within the first five years. But nothing's ever said about where do they go? What do they do? How do they get there? So tonight we have megastar Andrea Holyfield. Andrea, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great now that I'm a megastar. Yay! <laughs> Did I say your name correctly? Yes, that's Okay, correct. perfect. I hate to butcher someone's name. Yes. So I want to talk about, first, give everybody a little bit of your background and where you're from. Sure. Well, I'm actually originally from Ohio, um, but I've lived in Atlanta for about 17 years. Okay. And um, I've been in this whole world of career development, career transition um, for the past decade oh, in my wow. career for the past 10 years. I'm a career changer myself, so I can talk to people about the transition process from firsthand knowledge. Wow. So let me ask you this, if you don't mind, what were you, what was your first career and what made you go into career counseling? Yeah. So I actually love telling this story because I think it's important for people to, to know uh, where I come from and, and how I coach. My first career was actually in sales. I, um, have a bachelor's degree in journalism Okay. and I graduated uh, my undergrad as a young mom and just couldn't really balance the lifestyle with a young child that I needed in order to be a journalist, the hours and, and the low pay. And so I found this job through networking, doing sales and the money was good and, um, the flexibility was good. And I did it for a while until I experienced burnout. Sales is just a difficult thing to do long-term unless you love it. Um, and I didn't love it. I just, like the paycheck. <laughs> so Right, right. And that's always good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And paycheck is good, but for me I needed, you know, it came to a point where I needed to do something different. And I actually kind of without knowledge of what a career coach was or what counseling looked like, kind of struggled through that process for myself for a couple of years and um, ended up being involuntarily transitioned, meaning one day I walked in and they said, hey, this isn't working out. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I tell this story because the day that I um, found out that I was no longer going to have a job, I went back to my desk to clean my desk out and my phone was ringing. And so I picked up the phone. It was a lady that I had been networking with. And she said, hey, I know this is going to sound strange, but I've got this opening and you and I have been talking. I just want to know if there was any chance that you might be interested in it. I'm literally packing my desk up. <laughs> wow. And had this opportunity thrown in my lap and she was a career counselor. And so she wanted me to come in um, to offer some sales and support and administrative assistance. But she groomed me for the counseling. I actually went back and did my master's degree in professional counseling and, wow. and you know that's the short story of my transition so it, it was for me it was about networking 
knowing the right people, but also kind of being at that place where I was ready for a change anyway, because I could have, I could have gone and applied for another sales job. Right. Um, right. But I, I wanted to do something different. And I saw the opportunity. So let me say this. A lot of teachers right now, it is April 18th, 2017. Mm-hmm. And whether your school year ends in June or your school year ends in May, a lot of teachers are looking to get out of the field. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I hear is that I don't know what else I can do. And so I tell them, I'm like, oh, my God, as a teacher, you have project management skills. You have all these skills you can use. So what's the first bit of advice that you give potential people who come to you and say, Miss Holyfield, I'm ready to go. I've got to get I've got to get out of the classroom. What would be your first piece of advice that you would tell them? One of the first things that I want to do with a new client or even a prospective client who's looking at career transition is audit. I want to audit skill sets. I want to know what you can do and also what you love to do because those aren't always the same thing. Right. Right. And so we'll have a conversation about, okay, let's look, let's break down what you've been doing over the past seven, 15, 20 years. And what pieces of this have you enjoyed? And then once we've broken down the skill set, we start to look at the language. What does that mean outside of the classroom and how are other people describing this skill that you've used? That's such an empowering step for teachers because they get to see, oh, wait a minute, people do value these skills that I have and they're not just confined to the, to the classroom. Wow. And that is so uh, that's so crazy that you just said that because that's one of the things that I tell teachers, like write down everything that you do. Uh Write down what you do. And when they start writing it down, they're usually like shocked at all of the transferable skills that they have that they're never told as a teacher. Yes. Wow. Okay. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, we talked about transferable skills at your Atlanta conference. Right. um, With the teachers that were there. And I saw I pulled up like a list of transferable skills and just simple things like instructing and planning and um coaching and they were looking at those things like well yeah but that's just what teachers do right not really understanding the power of what you have been doing and what you've built up as far as credentials and doing those things that is so true you know a lot of teachers and i don't know if it's because teachers are supposed to be martyrs i don't know what it is but as a teacher you never feel like what you do is enough So you Mm -hmm. have this complex like, oh, I'm not doing enough. It doesn't really matter. But in a day, like in in one hour of teaching, whether you Mm -hmm. teach 15 kids or you teach 150 kids, you literally are multitasking from the moment you walk in to the Mm -hmm. moment you leave. Like it is crazy. It's crazy. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So somebody comes in, they say, hey, I need some help. We go over my skills. How, what's the next step? What do they do? Do they need to redo their resume? Do they need to buy a new suit? Should they make a list of all the possible jobs they want? What do they do? Probably all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the very next step, typically after doing the audit, is to help them to actually see, I'm a big vision board person okay and I'm, I'm really big in being able to see yourself in certain environments and, and see if it looks real to you um because you can't sell yourself if you don't believe it oh so, so true yeah so the next step for me is let's pull some job descriptions let's look at the possible jobs that use these skills that you've now 
determined that you have and that you enjoy using. And let's look at the environments. Before we go updating resumes and changing LinkedIn and starting to do that work, let's make sure that you can see yourself in that environment. And so looking at resumes and then conducting some informational interviews. I wow. usually send my clients out to conduct informational interviews. Oh, wow. Okay. Talk to us about informational interviews. What are those? So informational interviews are when you identify someone who does something that you think that you might enjoy doing or something that you're just um, curious about professionally, and you schedule some time, 20 to 30 minutes of their time, to ask them questions about their career path, their career trajectory, their day-to-day activities, the skills that they use. You're, you're quizzing them wow. about what it's like to be in their world. And professionals love this type of thing. I, I love when someone comes to me and, you know, wants to talk to me about what I do. Right. I'm really open to that. And it gives you an inside view of what it's like to really do the job. But it also serves as your network. Now you're starting to develop a network in the spaces that you're going to want to work in. Wow. That, you know, that is so important because all the time as teachers, we get people who want to be teachers who come and talk to us. But I Mm -hmm. wonder how many teachers actually go and do the same. You know, if I want to be an instructional designer, how many times do I find somebody who's one on LinkedIn or a personal friend or somebody and actually go and interview them and talk to them about their job? That's genius. Wow. I mean, you would be surprised when I bring up the topic. People have never heard of the idea. Like, really? People will talk to me? And then I do exactly what you just said. I'll ask them, have you never talked to someone that thought that they might want to be a teacher? Oh, sure. And I talk to these people all the time, but they just don't, they don't think that that is available to them. Wow. That is, you know, and that's so, okay. So I'm sure you've worked with plenty of teachers. Mm -hmm. What has been their, like, what do you notice? What is a continuing trend about teachers? Like what's their mindset? Because I have my own views, but as a teacher, but what do you see is the number one thing that you see teachers come in? Like what's their trait or what's their um, flaw? Or maybe it's both. You know, I think that, um, Teachers, you know, there's there's not just one type, and I've definitely run into different personalities. I will say that if there are some themes that I've noticed, um, I have noticed that, especially teachers that have been around a while, um, they tend to have this whole savior idea. Um, yeah. you know, I have to be here for these kids. If I'm not going to be here, who else is going to teach them? And and if if I, I want more, but you know, I, I really can't have more because my life is, is as an educator and that's what I've been called to do. And it's this whole idea of I have to settle because everyone needs me. Oh, my God. You're so, speaking the truth. Oh, my God. I literally want to say amen. And that's and for people listening. We're not saying that the kids aren't important. We're not saying that you have to like you can just throw chunk your deuces at the kids and be gone. But we talked about this at the teacher self-care conference and shameless plug. We're having one in 2018. Um, But sometimes you have to save yourself. Uh And, you know, with your and sometimes saving yourself means stepping away from the profession for a couple of years, getting experience in another profession and coming back. Uh And a lot of times we're never told that we're saying teach for 30 years and retire. And that is damaging 
professionally and that's damaging mentally especially as stressful as teaching is absolutely and you know I like to remind people and I'm sure you've used this example as well when you fly and when you're flying with minors, because I'm a mom, yes. what do they tell you? If something happens and the oxygen mask drops, adjust your oxygen mask first. Yes. Because you will be no good to that child sitting next to you if you're not okay. Exactly. And when, when mothers hear that or when caregivers hear that, they think, oh, no, I've got to save the person next to me and I'll be okay. But it just, life doesn't work that way. Right. So we've got to think about that with our professions as well. If we're burned out, if we're not there, if we're not mentally there, if we're stressed out, or even if we, you don't even have to get that far. You don't have to be completely burned out. Maybe you just want something different. It's okay to want something different. Like you said, you can return in various capacities and bring that healthy you back to those students. Wow. Let me ask you this. Okay, so I come in, I'm doing my resume, I'm doing all these things. What are some jobs that you see teachers transition into after being in the classroom? Oh, there's so many. Uh, A lot of uh, professionals become entrepreneurs. Yes. Um, a lot of professionals, they notice a need. They've worked with students. They know the population, and so they'll do something. I've got a client who has a thriving um, bouncy, bouncy house business now. She oh, does wow. parties and things like that. She's still around children. She's just not inside the classroom. Right. And she's making pretty good money doing that. Um, but outside of entrepreneurship, I see a lot of... Um, Corporate trainers, yes. that's a very easy transition. Yes. Um, educational sales, oh, yes. they love teachers yes. um, because you know that you know the classroom. Um, ed technology, yes. those type of things, that's a big one. Um, program directors, you know, oh. going into nonprofits and, and leading programs and leading um, businesses that way. There's so many opportunities out there for educators. Wow. And you know, that is so encouraging to hear because a lot of times people will tell you that your only choice in the classroom is to go and be a principal or assistant principal or instructional coach. And in reality, there's plenty that you can do. Okay. So let's role play for a minute. I am Susan and I've taught for five years. I'm an English major. Um, I'm pretty self-motivated. I come to you and I say, listen, I really want to get into educational technology. I really, I've got to leave the classroom for a bit. Give me the steps that you would tell me to do. And what would be some of the red flags you would tell me not to do? Yeah, okay. So this is a good one. Uh, With that particular profile, five years in the classroom, um, she has developed the three to five years training that I, I see for a lot of those types of job descriptions. So she's right on the mark there. Um, we're going to start, like I said, with identifying transferable skills so that we can start looking at her branding documents. Um, so step one is transferable skills. Step two is to start to build that network. So doing some informational interviews, connecting with professionals in the field of interest, because, you know, when people say it's not always about what you know, but it's about who you know, there's some truth to that. Right. So right. I like to I like to remind people, though, that the only people that are mad about that are the people that don't want to that don't know anyone. Right. Um, 
because once you know that's the name of the game, you play the game, right? So we'll start some network building and some outreach, and then we start branding. Hold on one second. Okay, so one second. Tell me about networking. What what are some things, what are some places, let's say she's in the uh, metro Atlanta area, or maybe she's in a small town in Kansas. What would be some networking that she could do that would help her land a job like that? There are all kinds of meetups and professional associations that have um, either mingles, mix and mingles and mixers or actual educational uh, programming that they'll do where you can meet other professionals in your field. One of the best ways to start this process is just on LinkedIn. With LinkedIn, you're not necessarily paying any money to be a part of the club or organization. You can join a professional group online and begin that networking process and get an idea of what the networking looks like in your particular area. So Mm. I suggest, I suggest all professionals have a quality LinkedIn profile, but especially if you're thinking about changing careers or becoming a job seeker, you want to make sure that you have a networking profile that's set up and that you're a part of groups and that you're building connections and those types of things. Oh, wow. So that, oh my God. Okay. So let's talk about branding because, you know, I have talked a lot to teachers about branding and some of the pushback that I get is that I don't need to brand. I'm a teacher. I don't need to do that. Please talk to them about why they need to brand themselves. Everyone, everyone needs to be thinking about branding because branding is not about your job. Branding is about you. So wherever you go, whatever your field, whatever company or profession you represent, you are your brand. So the whole idea of having a resume is going to get me a job, that's almost antiquated. The Mm. the resume is not the most important part of the job search process anymore. Having a strong brand where you have learned how to sell yourself and sell your skills and be able to speak about your experience that that doesn't come organically for a lot of people. That requires some some coaching and some thought and some reflection. So branding is just it's extremely important. Everything is branded. Right. The things that we eat, the things that we wear, the places that we go, and ourselves. We all have a brand. It's whether or not you're nurturing and caring for that brand. Your brand's either going to be neglected or it's going to be powerful. And that's such an important point. I just got off the phone with a colleague who has written this wonderful curriculum um, for this school district, an entire school district, and not one time did he put his name on anything. And I'm Uh, like, what? uh, I'm like, okay, no, no, no. You need to, like, and the sad reality is that we are moving to a space where you likely won't teach for 15 to 30 years. So you people need to, you need to leave your school building and people need to say, oh, my God, that's Andrea. She is she's phenomenal in this. I know her work, you right. know. And so so what's the first thing that you say when they're trying to brand themselves? Again, you know, branding is going to start in those early stages when we're visualizing ourselves in that environment. Can you see yourself doing this? What parts of this do you want to do? How do you want people to remember you? What do you want people to know about you? So there's some self-reflection before you can sell a product. That's why companies spend millions of dollars on psychologists to come in and, you know, understand the 
the audience and understand what colors and packaging because they understand that you have to know what it is that you're wanting to communicate, right? So in the beginning, there's some reflection that needs to happen. But then once we decided, okay, this is what I want to do and this is how I want people to know me, then we start setting up our communication strategy. Wow. So the communication strategy consists of your online brand, your resumes and cover letters, your networking business cards. People feel like, you know, they shouldn't have a business card because they're not in corporate America. You need to have a business card because you're a brand. Say that again. Oh, my gosh. I've, I've said that numerous times because I feel like teachers are so awesome and we have so many great skills. We need to if, if somebody says, hey. You have, you just delivered a great lesson about fake news. I'd really like to bring you into Pearson or McGraw-Hill, and I really want you to help us write this curriculum. You don't do that for free. Like, you have a business card, you give them your card, you negotiate a price, but these are things that teachers are not taught in teacher ed programs, and so they become teachers, and they think they have to be martyrs, and they have to give away their stuff for free, and they have to, you know, just make barely enough to even buy groceries, and that's not true. It's it's silly, almost, and it's not a great... um, it's not, it's not setting our students up for success either. Right. I, I don't think that our students need to visualize us in that way. They don't need to see education as this is the place where you, the tired go, um, you know, to help others. Right. Because that's not attractive to the field. Right. But also it just doesn't support long-term growth of the field as well. So, no, everyone needs to brand themselves. You need to have those business cards. You need to be thinking about... What do you have to offer? And maybe you're not ready to sell your services, but if you're talking to someone and they want to keep in touch with you on a professional basis, you need to have something to give them so that they can follow up with your communication um, and your information. So just little simple things like that start to build the brand. And then I actually go a little bit further with my clients and we start to look at the visuals Mm. as well. So you know, you've set these things up and you've said this is who you are. So now I'm going to have you going out meeting with people. What do you look, how are you showing up? Yeah. What are you looking like? What are the, what's the clothing? Um, you know, we kind of joked in the beginning about buying a new suit, but you know, if you've been in the classroom for 20 years and you've been, um, dressing like an educator and now you're looking at becoming a corporate trainer. Yeah. There may be a little bit of a shift that we need to make to some of those, some of that wardrobe. And so we have that conversation as well. Wow. So, okay. Talk to me and uh, talk to me about what's the biggest mistake you see people do when they come to you. What's the biggest mistake that they've done? One of the biggest mistakes, I'm going to mention two things. They both relate to the resume. So, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is start to apply for these positions. You know, they understand, oh, okay, I can do this. I have these skills. But they use that same tired resume Ooh. that they've had forever. <laughs> for, they, they since like 1999. <laughs> yes. yes. And they've just added new positions to it but haven't paid any attention to the new trends or to what other um, professions standards of resumes look like and so they're just shopping this old stale resume wow so let me ask you there's a there's a myth and some people still say this your resume should only be a page is that true still no (laughs) oh absolutely not true wow Um, absolutely not true your resume 
can no longer be a page after you've had five years of professional experience if you're doing your job. Right. Because you're getting training and you're getting accomplishments and awards and you're adding on responsibilities and you're volunteering and you're doing all of those things and you've got to capture those things. Yeah. So the idea of trying to squeeze that all on one page is, is ridiculous. You know, but I wanted to say the other thing that people, the other mistake that people make with the resume. So using an old tired resume is bad, but what also is bad is trying to update a resume without doing that first part, the reflection. Oh yeah. So just updating the resume, but not targeting it specifically for your new area. Uh, because targeting is very important with job search. Yeah. And you know, so let me say this. Um, I tell people this when I apply for a new job, when I was like applying for jobs, if I was applying for a corporate trainer job, my resume was different than if I was training when I was applying for a project manager job. Yes. That's so right. I had different resumes for different jobs. And so I don't, I never understood how people just had like one resume. I'm like, no, you need to like, yeah. So yes, that's so crazy. Okay. So before we, before I let you go, what do you wish you could tell every teacher who is thinking about coming to you and who's, or coming to someone like you and they're saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to, cause I'm sure as a professional, you charge for your services, right. but what do you tell somebody who's like, I'm not paying for that. Like, what would you like to tell those teachers? So one thing I want people to know, um, especially educators, since we're having this conversation today is that career transition is a part of what I do, but I have a large section of clientele that are with me for career maintenance. Wow. Uh, they recognize the importance of having a professional plan, a five-year plan, and they're working with me to make sure that they have goals and that they're on track so that they can demand the salary that they want and they can transition when they're ready to transition. So working with someone is not just about, okay, I'm going to wait until I'm burned out and when I can't help it and then I'm going to go get help. The savvy professional is ahead of the game, and they are already working with someone, developing a plan, just like a business. Wow. Businesses have strategic plans. And I'm working with professionals now from all walks of life that want a strategic plan for their life. So wow. I think that that's important. The second thing is just understanding the importance of investing in yourself. Um You know, I used to, when I first started my business, I would get the sob stories and people would say, you know, I really want to do this, but I can't afford to spend, you know, a hundred dollars on this or, you know, I can't afford. And then I would see those same people spending $200 on their kids' shoes yeah. or, yes. you know, $300 on their hair. And I, I just said, come on now. I'm not, I'm no longer am I going to cut people slack for investing in themselves. We've yes. got to be that important to ourselves. That we'll put that same shoe money that's going to be gone. Those shoes aren't going to last. Right. And we'll invest that money into ourselves so so that we can make the decisions that we want to make and so that we can model professional wellness for the people that come behind us. Oh, my God. You just, I mean, oh, my God. I wish, like, I need to insert hand clap right here because this is just like, <laughs> yes. Okay. Tell us, where can they find you? Readers, I want you to stop what you're doing. If you're thinking about transitioning to another career, don't you dare pull out that dated resume from 1998 
Instead, you find you a professional where you can work with them and they can help you and you can source out that work. So tell them where they can find you. Absolutely. I'm going to actually give them two resources. Okay. So my website is LiveWell CPS, so LiveWell Coaching Professional Services. So LiveWellCPS.com. I welcome them to check out the website, see the services that I offer, and then reach out to me via phone or email. Happy to have a conversation with someone, and I'd love to help them at this stage in their profession. But I'm also going to give them another resource. I am very dedicated to an organization here in Georgia called the Georgia Career Development Association. And the website for uh, GCDA is just VGCDA. And VGCDA has a listing of other members that are like people like me that are career professionals, counselors, and coaches. And the reason why I'm not shy about giving that information is because I know how important fit is in a yes. relationship. Yes. I want them to talk to me. I want them to talk to a couple of people and see who they get that good vibe with, who that energy feels right with, have a couple of conversations, and then move forward. Because I'll tell you, I I do a 15-minute consultation so we can decide if we want to work together. Yes. Consultation's free. <laughs> you know, free, guys. Free consultation. Yeah. Free consultation. You decide if you want to work with me. I decide if I can help you with you know, your goals. And if not, I want you to find someone who does. And so check me out at livewellcps.com, but also check out vgcda.org as a resource for finding other career counselors in the Georgia area. Perfect. And so another shameless plug is that Ms. Holyfield presented to, uh, presented to our attendees of the first teacher self-care conference, which was just held in Georgia, um, March 25th. We are going to have one on October 14th in Memphis, Tennessee, and we're also going to have one in June 2018. So, guys, if you did not come, you missed her. She gave some valuable nuggets to our attendees, and we're hoping that she'll come back when we have our next one because this career transition is real, and I want teachers to understand that you can't do it alone. No longer are the days where you look in the newspaper, you find a position, you apply, you get an interview, and you get the job. It has gotten much more complicated. So please hit pause on this podcast, write down her information, check her out. Anything else you want to say before we close? You know, I just want to thank you for doing this work because it's so important in introducing people to the resources that they need to make a transition. I do welcome any uh, one who is even considering what they want to do in the next five years. Maybe they're not ready to leave in April or right. May. But just think about what you want to do in the next five years. Let's sit down and have a strategic planning session. I love this work and I'd love to work with them. Yay. You guys know where to contact her and have a great night and join us for uh, episode two. We are going to talk about how do you prepare for retirement on a teacher salary? You don't want to miss it.